Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends of the dental business community. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Thank you for joining us today. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Practice Quotient, PPO Analysis and Negotiation, national firm that specializes in strategic guidance on PPOs, DHMOs, EPOs. If you're a top-tier provider and you are not getting top-tier compensation from your business partners, i.e. the insurance companies, then you should call the fine people at Practice Quotient. Um, mention Dental Business Radio. The finance department over there can, can be sticklers and they're sponsoring the show and paying good coin for it. So mention Dental Business Radio when you call or you email them at info at practicequotient.com. I thank you. And so does our producer, who's also with us, John Ray. Um, so thank you, John Ray. And on the show, I'm super excited to have Chris Sands. Chris Sands, how are you? I'm awesome, Patrick. So excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to have you here because we get to talk about money because we from, we're from the same world. That's right. Yes. Um, so I know Chris Sands and what you do, but our listeners may not. So why don't you just introduce yourself and your organization? So uh, thank you for that, Patrick. I'm Chris Sands, and uh, I'm co-founder of Profi 2020 CPAs. We're a dental CPA firm, also nationally recognized, uh, with us currently serving over 300 dental practices in 42 states. Mm-hmm. And uh, built that firm out of my own frustrations. Really, my, you know, <laughs> my story is I come from dentistry. I worked in a dental practice uh, really in the beginning voluntarily just to learn the business. Worked in one for three years, grew it, tripled it in size, grew it from 600000 to $1.7 million in just under three years. Learned a whole lot, did everything non-clinical in that, in that business, and uh, got very frustrated with the, the different CPAs we used. Mm-hmm. Had uh, three different CPAs in those three years, two of them being marketed as dental, and uh, they didn't know our business. Mm. So I learned uh, that uh, really we had to teach accountants the dental business, not teach the dentists like, the accounting business. Oh yeah, where you like, um, you know, they count from Sesame Street. One, two, <laughs> three. I was probably more a uh, scruffleupagus, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't do an impression though. Uh, that one's hard to do. Yeah. Or what was the uh, the guy in the garbage pail? Oh yeah, I should <laughs> uh, know that. Oscar, John Oscar, Ray. That's right. John Oscar. Ray hangs out with Oscar sometimes. <laughs> you know, they're pals. They hang out on that side of town. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you're dealing with, uh, some, some folks. Um, you know, and I will say that there is a lot of like dental stuff. We are the dental thing, whatever XYZ. I've also learned as I've gotten, I, you know, from corporate insurance company world into this niche. And that's kind of what the show is really about is exploring the different fascinating parts of this business niche. So, uh, continue. So you're, uh, teaching your business part of it, um, to the accountants and then what, so you're, you're blowing up that particular dental practice as the business manager. Are, are we blowing it up as the business? No, no, no. Let's go back in the day, right, to where you are at that office, right? And so you're you're working there, and you can't get see you can't get your numbers, I guess, right, um, from the CPA. Could not get them on time, and they're always like three, four months behind. 
Oh, yeah? I hate that. It was terrible. You got to get a good bookkeeper. Well, I tell you, I mean, that was one of the premises was uh, we, we had we created a company guarantee. The very first thing we thought of was we're going to guarantee financials by the 15th of the month or they're free. Really? Yep. I like that. It keeps us accountable. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, learning, you know, I learned the accounting business from just doing the same way I did dentistry. And accountants deal with deadlines. Um, they know their, their, their filing deadlines. Mm-hmm. They don't like a monthly deadline. Mm. And it's an internal guardrail for us. And it really, uh, that has really been one of the differentiating factors. And I have, we have really no competition out there that does that. I have not heard of that. And I, I dig it because I'm a numbers person myself. And I, I hope that makes everyone else in the accounting industry do it. They really should. Right. Um, well, my, our accountant is my business partner and he's pretty, pretty stickler for details. So I'm not going to, I'm going to assume that that's all done. <laughs> right, Scott? Um, so you were building, so you learned about dentistry from the inside out. All right. So you're not just uh, looking through the glass and you've started ProFi. ProFi uh, is headquartered also here in the greater Atlanta Georgia area, all right, where the straw stirs a drink, right, really, and you have clients all over the place, um, and you're in Swanee, and tell me about the why. What's, what is everybody, why do they come to you, and why do they stay with you? So they don't come to us uh, just to get their stuff filed. I, we're typically not somebody's first CPA, to be honest with you, first accounting firm, um, typically they come to us after they've experienced, uh, some sort of pain, typically in the form of a, a, a tax surprise. Let's say they get a $50,000 surprise and I'm doing my air quotes yeah, right now. Right. Yeah. I can see. Uh, and <laughs> surprise, and, and, and sometimes that's on the business owners. Uh, it's their fault. Sometimes it's the accountant's fault, but, uh, really, you know, I think I can say that speak freely is that in general, and you can, people that are in accounting, <laughs> people that are in accounting, uh, are not that great at communication, not that great at forward thinking, not that great at uh, being proactive. And that's just because the nature of what they do is reactive. Mm. Okay. Looking at past data, we used to have a joke to say that the uh, accountants come in and count the bodies after the war is over. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, that's what we're trying to change. Right. I I like that. You know, if, you have some familiarity in the insurance business. I know. I think you have an insurance license, right? You know, have you ever heard the joke that, um, the old insurance joke that how insurance works, if it was a car, is you have the sales executive that's in the driver's seat and he's got his, his foot on the pedal and it's all the way to the floor. And the passenger seat, riding shotgun, is the underwriter who's got his foot also, you know, crossed over firmly on the brake pedal all the way down. And in the back seat, you have the actuary who's looking out the rear view window and he's trying to figure out what just happened. And that's how it works. Um, it, and it's funny cause it's true. Uh, and so I, I like the, the, the dead bodies analogy and you, you and your team there have a pretty broad experience with other parts of the financial segments too, right? Like you have an insurance license, so that's important, right? So you're, are you looking at risk in, you know, fill in those other gaps for these, for the clients or what? Yeah. I like to think that we're really using, um, accounting as just data. And I, I often tell people that, that work in our firm that we're a data company 
And we need to take that data and, and look at their entire picture of everything they're doing. And we're not just there to, uh, to do the accounting and, and give them reports. We're there to use that, that information to provide them advice mm-hmm. on here's, here's some symptoms that these, these numbers tell us. We don't know. We may not know the exact cause. We may have a list of three to five things that could be causing it. And I've trained our accounting managers on enough dental practice management knowledge to be dangerous. And they'll give, here's, here's some potential causes for this doctor. Now you need to go back and investigate in your practice, these things, look in your practice management data. Um, and you, sometimes that's pointing them to a third party, either a, a representative like you that can help them in, in the area of the insurance reimbursements, or uh, it could be a, con, any kind of consultant or coach. Sure. You know, we're not, everything to all people. Mm-hmm. We just, again, we see the symptoms, identify them, bring them up, hopefully sooner than they would have been brought up if they didn't have a relationship with us. Right. I, I like that. And uh, you nailed it right on, right on the head, you know, enough to be dangerous, you know? So it's what we do or what I do. I just say this all the time. I do one thing and one thing only, and I'm really good at it. I'd like to, th- I'd like to think, right. Um, people pay me for it. I'm not really good at anything else. Nothing. Like, you know, I can cook okay, but you know, nothing else. And so, but I've been around and I've seen enough challenges that pop up that are common. And some of it's like crowdsourcing and you're like, ah, yep, saw that. And so then you need to make sure that you have the right people to then, you know, that you trust that you're going to put your name on, you know, because you want to help the client because ultimately they need to be successful. And it's, it's like a business partnership, right? You know, and so you want them to be stress-free and, you know, they did not go to, um, you know, business school, frankly. And so they need people that they can trust that know how to do math that can point things out and not just in the rear view, you know, especially these days. And I think too, that's a constant part of our job is to provide that education. You know, we, if you think about, you know, if I knew if I was any good at science, which I was terrible at science, me too. knowing what I know about dentistry, I might, I might be a dentist. Because I think I could do well in the business. Now, would I would I do well clinically? Uh, who knows? But I couldn't get past the science. And you know, one of my <laughs> one of my early friends uh, was a young dentist, and he he told me that he said, "Hey, man, look, we we grew up on opposite sides of campus in college. Right? You know, I stayed as far away from the science side as I could, and he got no exposure to the business side. He's like, you're speaking a different language to me, and you don't even know it. So a, a big part of uh, what we do." In the, just in the the world of accounting is trying not to speak accounting lingo mm. and uh, creating uh, either s- scenarios or creating um, examples or you know analogies. I love analogies. That they can understand mm-hmm. the dentistry. Yes, you know? absolutely. But, you know, the easiest one, the one that we use the most, is that their financials are the. It's like the financial X-ray of their business and. You wouldn't, as a doctor, you wouldn't go and, and perform a procedure on a patient without taking an x-ray because that would be malpractice. Mm-hmm. You know how many business owners are out there performing malpractice on their own business every day because they have no earthly idea what the finances look like? You know, I, I whether do. We do. We <laughs> do. <laughs> but yeah, and it's um, one of, sometimes I hear, excuse me. Well, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been, I've been doing the insurance for 20 years, Patrick. And I'm like, really? Uh, I've been driving a car for 20 years right. too. It doesn't mean <laughs> I can pull the transmission out and put it back in successfully. And then 
I feel like that's not even good enough. You have to then take it into a more clinical aspect so you can get right into the language that the people are used to. And then I say, all right, you know, Betty, uh, you've been working in a dental practice for 20 years too. Can you go back there and do a root canal? Nope. And they're like, that's crazy. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Right? Um, So I'm with you. There's there's different languages, I think, in any industry. Um, And when you're trying to articulate what can be complex ideas, analogies and stories work really, really well. Um, What other analogies pop up all the time? Well, I think, um, you know, sometimes people are – there's another saying we have about accountants, okay? Uh, that can be said is that a lot of times uh, accountants know the cost of everything and the value of nothing. And that can be said for a lot of people, not just accountants. Mm, I agree. And, you know, one of the first things when we're at any kind of, uh, you and I both go to a lot of different shows where we have booths and things like that. And doctors come up and speak to us. And uh, as they're coming up, they go, Oh, you're CPA firm. I've, I've got a CPA. Yeah. I, I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you come up to the booth? Right, right. And there is inevitably something going on in their mind or something going on that they're they're not feeling that le- level of satisfaction because they're they don't un- truth, truth be told they don't understand what's going on. They have they have somebody, but whatever their problem is, they don't fully understand it either. It's not being translated to them. Mm-hmm. And so they first come up and they're trying to figure out like are you the same as who I have? Are right. are you how are you different? And uh, straight up, you know, what are your costs? What are your fees? And I turn around or, you know, if they really, really want some sort of made up fee to tell them up front, I say, well, what do you, what do you charge for a crown? <sighs> that is way too much. <laughs> right. I like that. You know, I'm totally appropriating. It. And, then, and then I, then I go, well, couldn't, and I'm just, I'm talking on the fly with them. Could, couldn't I, doc, couldn't I get a filling? And isn't that really the same as a crown? Well, yeah, but, uh, well, can you guarantee it? Will it, will it last as long? And, you know, you can get the filling, let's say for $400. You can get the crown for $1,200. The filling's going to fail. And when it fails, you'll have to come back. You won't know it's failed until you have pain. By the time you have pain, it's too late. And then you'll probably need a root canal. How much is the root canal? $1,400. And so then you'll be in for the filling for for 400 you'll be in for the root canal for 1400 and then you have to get a crown put on it anyway or we could just do the crown today and that's the way i learned to speak in dentistry uh first when just explaining to a regular you know i don't even call them patients they're just people just explaining to a regular person how that's going to here's your options you can either go the cheap route and you'll be back and it'll end up costing you more in the long term or you can just solve this today mm-hmm. and it's similar in everything we all do I agree. Uh, so the you know, same thing in accounting. I, I give that sometimes that analogy comes up pretty frequently at the at the booth, mm-hmm. um, where I tell them, "Look, you're. What are you looking for? Are you looking for the cheap alternative? I can help you do that. Or are you looking to solve the problem? Mm-hmm. Or are you are you looking for the relationship? And it took me a while of, of more frustration in the accounting business to finally go back to my my undergrad accounting 101 class, which I was not great at, to be honest with you. And uh, I remembered that there were these different types of accounting. Mm-hmm. This is like really, really boring, exciting, boring stuff. Right? I, I dig it. Keep going. 
Well, it turns out that 99% of people, what they have in their relationship is called a financial accountant, which is nothing more than a compliance relationship. Help them file their returns, get the basics done. Mm -hmm. What everybody describes that they want is an actual advisory relationship, somebody that can explain their numbers to them, somebody that can teach them about their business, talk to them about their goals, give them some sort of advice or action items to move toward those goals. Well, all of that falls under this other category of something called managerial accounting. So once I, once I stumbled upon that again, I was like, that's what we are. And there, and that's, that's something I think everybody should research. And when they, when they go to sign up with an accounting relationship, they got to ask, you know, how much is it? What do I get for it? What kind of relationship is this? And where is it promised? And the only way I could figure out to, to solve that problem and to create what everybody wanted was I said, okay, we're going to be month to month. Mm-hmm. We're going to see the whole scope of your life, your, your work, your, your business, your personal life, everything that's involved on the accounting side. We'll, we'll quote you a fixed monthly fee after we've seen the x-ray. Right. Okay. And if we don't hold up our end of the bargain, you can cancel us anytime. Month to month. Mm-hmm. Monthly guarantee, financials delivered by the 15th. At minimum, you're required to participate in uh, quarterly phone calls, coaching calls on your finances. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a, a saying that we came up with and that, um, you know, you cannot simply receive managerial accounting. You must participate in it. I like that. And Love I, it. And I got to hold the doctors accountable. Mm-hmm. They like to play this game of I want to know but I really don't want to know. Like I want to, I, I really, I want my finances to be better, but I really don't want to have to know about it and think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to spend my lunch hour talking about numbers. You know, I want to stay primarily in the, in the back office doing the clinical side and they know in their brain how a dental activity translates to a dollar, mm-hmm. but they don't know what happens with the dollar after that a lot of times. And so that's where we fill that void. Like you know, and, and to challenge them and make give them action items that they have to come back with and, and for them to be engaged and participate in their finances. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for all business owners, you know, really as a business owner myself, and I'm sure for you, right? Don't you have, a, you know, for me, it's small. I have a very small, tight, you know, kind of board of advisors, if you will. But I think on a very basic level, you have to have a holy trinity of your your finance guy, your CPA, you need very good legal advice, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Um, and, you know, the third is almost a, a mentor or somebody that's experienced in business and understands you and your personality that you trust implicitly. Um, you need a bare minimum those. And it sounds to me like you guys are filling that role. I like the mandatory um, and I like the month to month a lot. Um, because that way they're making a commitment to you. I think too often, and I'm probably guilty of this sometimes too, is I just want that done. You know, I don't explain it to me. Just make it happen. Right. But right. you can't do that. And, and it with, with the numbers, with the financials, right? Yeah. There just are some, I mean, we just like any other business and just like any dental practice, we evaluate our, our clients and evaluate, you know, I think every practice should evaluate their patients And, um, you know, if, if someone is not willing to engage and they're not willing to personally, uh, go through a process of change themselves, then they're not ready for what we're offering. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you can certainly find a dozen uh, or more than you can certainly find plenty of the uh, financial accounting compliance relationships. I mean, it's all right. Transactional. Let's call it transactional. All right. So do you want a transaction or do you want an advisor? Uh, I like that a lot. I think uh, there's a, a lot of parallels in, in our world. And for some reason, it, well, you just said it got, it put Shawshank Redemption in my head, right? Which is one of my favorite movies ever. And there's a scene where um, Red's like, why do you do all that stuff to Andy Dufresne? And Andy says, Red, you either get busy living or you get, get busy, busy dying. dying. Love that. You know, um, I say it to my son sometimes. He looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, you'll understand one day. Uh, that's another, you know, uh, that's another point on our client avatar list. What we what we design as our ideal client. Mm-hmm. Almost point number one is probably you have to be growth oriented. Mm-hmm. You're you're either growing or you're dying. That's that is the mentality. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that they, that's not what they want. They want to they want to stay in a comfort zone. They want to stay even keel where they're at. They don't sure. they're not looking for improvement. Yeah, it's uh. I think that there's. Two types of growth. You can be too rapid. Um, certainly these days, if I have a dollar for every time we're, you know, we're going to buy forty practices in the next year. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some of them do it, and then it's like the dog that just chasing a car, right? And then they catch the car, and you're like, oh, how do you transition? That is not transactional. We'll get to that in a second because I want to hear your thoughts. Um, but before I forget, and feel free to appropriate this. Um, so practice quotient doesn't have a sales team. Just so everybody, I'm looking at us, right? And it's not <laughs> not even me. You know, you're talking. We've divided. We've, we've divided. We're because we're all over the country. Um, but you are talking to leadership. It's either me or Scott, who sounds just like me, um, but he's not as funny as me. Um, and or and or Nikki, who is uh, our director of operations, who's been with us forever. Um, great job, Nikki. Shout out to you. Uh, anyways, so they probably wouldn't say this, but I'd say this. You know, like, oh, how much does it cost? And I go. Look, Doc, here's the deal. Uh, that's the wrong question. And they're like, huh? I'm like, the question is, Patrick, how much money are you going to make me? It is not, Patrick, how much money does it cost? That's just the wrong question. Does that make sense to you? You know? <laughs> I, I, exactly. I mean, I think if all you're looking for is, is somebody to do the, the bare minimum, you're th- that's just a, it's a mindset that we all have to go through, a mind shift that we all have to go through. Um, of there's a cost is what you end up paying, but value is what you get. I like that. And and what, what value is there in forming a relationship with you? What, Mm -hmm. what value doc are you seeking? Mm -hmm. Let's define the objectives. It's not my objectives. It's your objectives. And so where do you want to go? And can we help you get there? That's really what you're articulating to the, you know, prospective and probably current clients. Cause sometimes you have to remind them of the objectives that you set at the beginning. And occasionally you have to recalibrate like last year, you know, which hopefully um, won't happen again. And Patrick, I mean, you know, an expense is a dollar that doesn't come back to you. Okay. An investment is where you get more than a dollar back. I'm totally appropriating that. Okay. I love that right there. And, and so that's, that's what are you, is, is I, are you looking at, Whatever we're talking about, are you looking at me or are you looking at this as another expense that you're going to have to add? Or are you looking at, at this as an investment in your business that you're going to get a return on and, and get some growth, get some more profit, you know, more money in your pocket? Love it. Whatever it may be. 
Right. Absolutely. Um, I am picking up what you're putting down, Chris Sands. <laughs> um, John Ray's over there. He's coloring his coloring book. That's all right. At least he's got a book. Um, so what's new and exciting? Like what, when you woke, when you got back from the holiday this weekend, you're like, all right, second half of the year, baby, it's on. What are you, what are you excited about right now? Well, I'm excited that, um, I, I think one thing that we've put a focus on is, you know, everyone is concerned about what the future holds in terms of our economy, in terms of interest rates, in terms of, um, the market being high and all of that. And so who knows? I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not here with a, uh, a, a glass ball or anything, um, crystal ball to tell you what the future holds. However, you deal with the cards that you have right now. And we made a proactive choice to look at all of our clients, uh, their, all their debt schedules and to say, Hey, we had, we put a formula together on terms of what, what their interest rates were, what their payments were and said, this is the time to now go out to the banking industry and lock in lower rates if you can. So that's like what's immediately in front of us. I, if you're just asking my personal opinion, I'm, I'm, I am potentially, you know, I think we've gone through a storm. We might be in the eye of the storm. There could be a storm surge coming. We've been in historically low interest rates since the 2007, 2008, um, recession. And, uh, ever, we've been saying that ever since then we've been, got to go up. Don't know when, don't know how much, but, um, interest rates went down again, you know, after, after the COVID experience. And so we're pushing all clients. Hey, we, as an accounting firm, have your financials bank ready at all times, use them Mm -hmm. and go out there and and push your existing relationships, but go out there and also uh, seek out maybe some new relationships to see what kind of competitive advantages you can get. Uh, within the banking industry on your debts. We're big proponents of paying off debt, mm-hmm. getting rid of it. It creates phantom tax. It's unnecessary interest. And uh, we use that that opportunity to tell them, hey, restructure, consolidate your debt. Any cash flow that you save, we're not going to change the cash flow. You're going to use that as extra to pay down your debt. Mm-hmm. So debt, in my mind, is risk. And my, my underlying degree and why, why we kind of cross paths too is that my underlying degree was in risk management. Mm-hmm. I was actually trained to be an underwriter and actuary, but couldn't, couldn't sit at the desk all day. It's boring. And, uh, uh, debt elimination is one of our focuses with every single client. And I think that's different uh, in all the accounting relationships I had prior. They never brought it up. They just stated it. Here's your balances. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got to attack that. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the, the thing I think right now that's, there's urgency on is, um, we've had plenty of clients that are, I'd say the average interest rate that we saw that they locked in a few years ago was around five, five and a half. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing even below 3%, uh, interest rates on business loans and real estate loans. Um, the other hot topic is, uh, that's happening in all of the dental Facebook groups and discussion groups is, uh, should we be, classifying should we be paying our associates and our our hygienists as 1099 independent contractors mm-hmm. or as w2 employees quite frankly i'm shocked that that question's happening now because when they went through covid and they had to get ppp loans anybody that was a 1099 contractor was not covered and did not get a check from the dental practice after they got their ppp money mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of those associates yeah. some of them had their own entities they had to go out and apply separately for PPP money. And they were upset 
at their at their practice for not covering them. However, sometimes it was a, it was a mutual choice between the practice and the associate doctor. Sure, I see it all the time. Going as ten ninety nine, doing their own expenses, thinking they're saving a ton of money. Well, it's actually more black and white than people think it is. Um, they say that here everybody else is doing it. I know plenty of people are doing it, and that's not that doesn't mean it's right or allowed or legal. Um, but there's a lot of information. If you just Google on your own, you can find plenty of articles coming out, plenty of announcements directly from the IRS, directly from the Department of Labor, and they are going to be going after all businesses that they feel are misclassifying employees. And dentistry is on the target list. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is when Uncle Sam needs money, they're going to go shake the trees and look underneath the cushions of the couch um, and take the really low-hanging fruit, which is easy to prove, easy to find out, and that's the 1099 contractors. Uh, We get that question sometimes, but I always defer to, you know, I'm like, you got to talk to your tax advisor, tax or legal. You know, we don't dispense tax or legal advice. Um, we do get that question quite a bit, uh, particularly with growth and particularly with temps and then how it ties into credentialing. And I'm not going to talk about credentialing because it's awful and makes me want to claw my eyes out. Um, <clears throat> truth on the show. That's all you get. <laughs> um, and so, so the 1099 contractors down in some states like Jersey, you know, they don't give you an out or what, would be considered a gray area in a lot of the country. They're like, the answer is no. If they walk in there and do one thing, they're W-2, right? That's how they do it in New Jersey, but most states it's not. Um, and so you see it with temps, you see it with specialists that come in, but you also see it a lot with just regular full-time docs, right? The, you see it the most with the regular full-time docs. <clears throat> and sometimes, here's, here's the craziest part. Maybe they have more than one associate doctor working there. And one of them is paid on W-2, and the other one is paid on 1099. How do you justify that? I don't know. You can't. They have the same occupation, and you're misclassifying them. There's no protections for the 1099 employee, 1099 contractor. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the, real, the real deal is that um, there is a 20-point checklist okay, that the IRS and the Department of Labor have. And there are probably uh, four to five questions on this checklist that all deal with the element of control. Who controls the schedule? Do they tell you where you have to be? Do they tell you which patients you're going to see? Who controls or supplies uh, the instruments and different supplies? And if that is all one employer, if the 1099 contractor does not show up and say when they want to show up, if they do not bring their own materials and tools, then they're not a contractor. They're an employee. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the, the checklist pretty much ends there. Nowhere, n- almost nowhere in dentistry can they, can they pass that test of control. Mm-hmm. So, do you have, would you have a link to that checklist on your website? I have a I have an entire document that has uh, resources from IRS, Department of Labor, CPA resources, legal resources, Cedar HR Solutions resources um, that has all kinds of these links. Now we need to post it on our uh, on our website. You just you just gave me a task for today. You're welcome. Thank you. But the um, the, the 
you can Google that. You can Google IRS 20 point checklist. You can Google uh, 1099 contractor versus employee checklist. Well, listen, Google can be very difficult sometimes. All right. And so dear listeners, as a favor to you, what we will do is when he accomplishes that task, we will put it into the show notes. So if you are on your phone, you can just click on the link and it will take you right to what Chris just described because the more you know. So is you don't want Uncle Sam or the state come knocking on your door. All right. Um, <clears throat> they're looking for more than coffee. So what's, I don't know this. What's, uh, what's the penalty? So uh, let's say, you know, I'm a doc and I've, I've got uh, one associate and it's misclassified. Like what happens? What are they going to do? Are they going to take me out front and beat me or how much money are they going to take? So we have these uh, legal Ponzi schemes in, in this country called social security and Medicare. Oh yeah. 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 I'm, I'm and, familiar with them. And that's, that's what we're talking about we should here. rant on that one day. We'll just do a whole show <laughs> on why this is silly and stop talking about Medicare or single payer for all when we already have it and they can't run it. Sorry. I'm, Those I'm systems are, are virtually bankrupt. And, uh, wait, why can't we just give it to everybody? Yeah, let's not go down that path, <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's what they're, that's what they're looking to, to capture here. And, um, if if you are found to have misclassified an employee and the the most the majority of the liability is going to be on the employer side so it's the dental practice oh, that yeah, carries no shit. the risk that's who has the money and they're going to say how long have you been doing this and let's go back and reclassify all of this as w2 wages and what would the uh, uh medicare and social security the fica hey, tax right, so they're going to go after they want the fica and a penalty probably right? plus penalties plus interest and there'll be some on on the the um contractors side as well that doctor or hygienist um, but the majority of that risk is on the on the business owner and that i mean they can go back as far as they want to go really it's no statute huh yeah so payroll taxes is is not a joke um and that's that's essentially where everybody's kind of cheating they think oh i'm saving three percent three and a half percent by uh paying them as a contractor and the government's going no you're cheating us right and i think that's how they got al capone isn't it it's all. That's always the way they get anyone. Uh, tax evasion. Oh yeah. Um, so that's that's really important knowledge. And so I've I've been kind of given the alert like HIPAA police. But I think that by and large, at least most of our clients who tend to be more established docs um, with good good staffs and good practice managers. Shout out to all of you. Um, th- that's not an issue, you know. Um, but this one here, I. And you just hit it because I, I, I didn't know. Again, I don't delve into this a lot. So the whole, the motivation here, if I'm hearing you correctly, for the business, the practice is to save FICA. So you're saving 3.5 maybe? Yeah. So um, FICA is, is um, yeah, I know it's in general. Okay. Yeah. It's around 7% now, depending oh. on the incomes. Yes. But uh, half is the employer and half is the employee side. So you, there's, they're, there's, they figure they're saving. Hey, 3.5. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, not worth it. You know, the old analogy about fighting City Hall or I fought the law and the law won. <laughs> well, you and Sean I. Sean has that tattooed on his back. <laughs> <laughs> you and I playing in the entire uh, market of dentistry, we, 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 play a little bit and we encounter DSOs, right? And I think yes. that if it's an established DSO, 
as a private practice, you got to ask, would the DSO be doing this? And one of the biggest deals with DSOs, because they are so heavily challenged and regulated in their states, is compliance. Mm-hmm. And they can't fool around with that. They have to stay compliant. Well, they usually have a compliance officer, too. So it, it's in, in, a, in a true established DSO, it's not a question. Everybody's W-2. Why all of a sudden in private practice is it, you know, oh, we can we have the liberty to do this a different way? Because I read it on Facebook, Chris. And it's it's not getting your advice from other dentists on Facebook. Uh, thank you. <laughs> the, speak on, speak, preach the gospel, Chris Sands, brother Chris Sands, Deacon Sands up in here. Please do not get all of your news and your business counsel from Facebook memes or Facebook groups. They're not super secret either, by the way. Um, <laughs> pretty easy to find out. It's a, a some. This is one of the things I talk about all the time. I wasn't on Facebook until recently. Now I get on there, and every time I, I don't get on there a lot, and when I do, I just feel like I lose three hours of my life because I'm like, no, that's wrong, no, that's wrong, and I'm like, I could just sit here all day long, but I really feel like it's I'm. Um, what's the polite word? Or there's got to be another saying, but you know, you're you're taking a bio break in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> right there, you go. I I don't want the FCC. John Rice says, "Don't worry about it," but he says that about a lot of things. And look where it's got him. You know, um, tattooed up, missing a couple fingers, eye patch, driving around a broken down purple Corvette, thinking it's cool. <laughs> Yuck mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just playing, John Rice. You know, I love you. Uh, so. Let's transition since you brought up DSOs, you brought up growth. All right. So if your clients are growing, all right. So our clients tend to be growing too, uh, at various trajectories. And one of the questions that we get frequently in that we talk to the attorneys and the tax advisors and uh, let me just preface this by going, my opinion is never a substitute for qualified legal counsel that's licensed to practice law in your state and or your, your tax uh, professional that is licensed appropriately. Can I just say ditto so I don't have to say all that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same goes for yeah, me. Yeah, there you go. We're like peas in a pod, dude. Um, and so um, they're like, okay, well, should we create another entity for uh, the practice location or and or do we need to split out our disciplines? You know, maybe we're going to do specialty. Um, so I have my own commentary, but all of my advice is really exclusively to the contracting. But, um, but you know what the standard legal and tax reply to a question like that is, right? No. It depends. <laughs> uh, the answer is it varies. Yes. Uh, that's, um, so do you have any other – because you're right, it does kind of vary on what they're trying to achieve and how much money they're talking about, how much they want to protect the risk um, that's involved – um, Let me give you my – can I give my general opinion here? Please. Okay. So in general, I think uh, that every, if you have multiple locations, okay, we're not talking about if you're a full established legal DSO or you just are a private – if you're a privately held, privately owned, uh, multi-location practice. I think it's very helpful to have every different location in its own entity. Uh, let me also say that – there is a lot of confusion amongst doctors between the difference. There's a legal entity, which the attorney helps you decide what that legal entity should be in your state for mm-hmm. protection. Then you have a choice on that, how that legal entity gets filed for taxes. So I'll ask them, you know, what kind of entity do you have? Well, I have an LLC. 
but it could be an LLC that's filing as an S corporation. Okay, so all, you know, the legal entity and the tax filing are two separate things, and there's a lot of confusion around that in dentistry. So the attorney will help you decide which legal entity to, to file, and I, I believe they should all be separate, and most attorneys will agree because just from protection standpoint, if you can have uh, – if there was any kind of malpractice or any any kind of lawsuit in, in one, it keeps the others protected and separate separated. From a an accounting standpoint and and general business, I think, you know, if you have multiple locations, you should always be prepared that maybe one is not working out that well for you and maybe you want to cut it loose. Mm-hmm. And if you're commingling all of the finances for those, it's very difficult to to sell it because you're trying to separate it out and sell it. You need to keep it separate separate from the, from the get go. Mm -hmm. So I believe in having separate legal entities and separate, um, tax filings for each, for each practice location. There are exceptions. And a lot of times people come to us and they've already got two or three in one tax filing. And it's, it's too difficult to unwind and we just leave it alone. That's why you can't sell it. Yep. Just leave it alone. But, uh, that's my opinion. Right. And then, you know, we get those questions around what, you know, should I have a management company, uh, first of all, let me tell you that a management company itself does not save you anything in taxes. A management company is about uh, scaling. It's about um, consolidating the non-clinical services uh, so that you can uh, create more profit margin. Okay, And having one centralized phone center to answer the calls, take the phones off the front desk and uh, schedule all the appointments for all the offices in one place. Having one centralized marketing department that's marketing for the entire, all the locations and they're, they're either same brand or different brands, uh, having centralized insurance, you know, processing insurance, verification, credentialing, all of that stuff, which you should do on your. So the management company is about efficiency. My opinion on that too, is that you don't really need one unless you have three or more locations. Um, that's mm-hmm. out of just personal experience doing that. Right. Yeah. Amen. Um, so they, and those things cost money to get started too, you know, in terms of people, you know, everyone hears about the call center and they get excited that the call center is an undertaking, but mm-hmm. once it's in place in running them as somebody who's done it, all right, very, on a very large scale, um, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It, it's really not. And you need to get, it's not just about finding the butts in the seats that are trained, but you need to get trainers and then you need to get leadership in there. Right. It's, um, it is not transactional, um, at all. And so that's, a, it's a whole nother, you know, undertaking. And that's where I, I do, f- I feel like there sometimes people have the best intentions and then, but they're not, they don't surround themselves with the right people and, or they don't want to, um, compensate real professionals to do a real professional job. And that's, that's my take. Um, and you're nodding your head and you're like, preach on brother. Patrick. <laughs> um, so I like that decentralized. See, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking it's to centralize service and build, you know, economies of scale. Right. So here's, and this is really for our listeners and maybe for you. Um, I totally agree with everything that you said. Now, again, it, now what's the disadvantage from a contracting standpoint? Because the advantages, disadvantages actually are there. It's a wash. It's a total wash. 
you know, now from a contracting standpoint, if you have one tax ID and you're in one state in your one discipline, discipline being general dentistry, oral surgery, or periodontist for those listeners who are not in the clinical area. And you have one tax ID and you have partnerships. I still agree with you on that. You should mind the numbers on each location, right? But if it's already set up that way, it's easier to contract. So it's just faster because you have one tax ID. It's already established. Every time you set up a new entity, you're going, that's a new legal business entity. And this is what people do not for some reason, or at least the hundreds of people that I've spoken to over the past several years, you have a new legal business entity that has to sign new legal contracts for network participation. So that, that that tax ID number is not going to be recognized on claim forms, right? So you're going to have cash flow disruption, uh, uh, claims disruption, net, you know, network participation disruption. And one of the trends that's happening right now is that there's, there's a labor shortage all across the world and the insurance industry is not immune to it. And credentialing has never been what I would call fast. Um, Fast in credentialing is three months. You know, right now everything's backed up because of COVID and because of the labor shortages. And so that's where folks are like, well, you know, we built the practice and we opened it last week. So we need, we need to get to, we need to be in network, make that happen. I'm like, look, doc, it's, this is not like flipping a light switch at all. You should have called me a year ago. And so, and I'll, I'll, I'll be very candid. We tend to sidestep those. And so listeners, just so you know, I give you the best advice that I can, but I'm like, you're, you're, you're in a world of, you, you want it done fast or do you want it done right? Cause if you just want to get in all the networks as fast as possible, buddy, you better just start credentialing, you know, it's that old saying, you want it done cheap, fast or right. You only get to pick two. <laughs> right. And so, uh, but no, you can't go analyze because if you really think about it, where's your leverage? You're saying, Hey, hey, Mr. Insurance Company. Hey, listen, do me a favor. I really need to get these contracts in really fast. My credentialing apps, I need them in real fast because I don't want to have any claims issues and we need new patients over here. Do me a favor. Would you please get me in? And so while you're saying that, it's very difficult to be like, oh, by the way, buddy, your fees are awful. These suck. We're not taking this crap. Huh? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. And by the way, you know who knows all this? The other side, all of my colleagues at the, in, in the insurance world, uh, right. they're, they're waiting. They understand all of this. They know that it's a new tax ID. Um, and so just, it has to be planned, but it's not fun. I, in the, the credentialing in particular, and by the way, nobody likes it. The insurance companies aren't making you do that. It's, it, it's mandated by state law. So, and, and let me say, and I know you know this to be true, Patrick, the, uh, you get some advice, you hear these advice from the different advisors and, and their specialty and whether it's the attorney or the accountant and they're telling you, Hey, you should switch the entity, switch the, and, and, and that could switch a tax ID number. And then all of a sudden your reimbursement <laughs> rates change. That's right. Right. Yep. And that happens a lot. That's something that, you know, they come some every now and then a, a new client will come to us and they've said, you know, I've been told for years and years, I need to uh, convert to an S corp. Okay. Can you, is there a tax consequence? So in our world, we look at that first. Let's say that we're all good there, but we're like, you still may not want to do that because maybe you have a certain reimbursement rate with one, one company. And if you switch, they're going to bump you down and it's like a 40% haircut. 
Mm, yeah. Financially speaking, that might not be worth it. <laughs> yeah, rhymes with schmelta. Yeah. So um, it, it's 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 a pain. It's a lot to look at. There's no, I mean, that's that's what you just described as one of the biggest challenges in this industry right now for me. It's not it, it, by me. I mean the entire provider community in this country, and then nobody tells them. And I can't tell you how many phone calls. I'm sure you've had them, and you're like, I'm like, there's nothing we can do. Like you, I mean, we have people stuck. buying practices, trying to avoid that, trying that, and they're they're setting up a separate C corp to do a, a, um, a stock purchase instead of an asset purchase of the business, so that they can keep the same tax tax ID number of that business. And I'm like, it's just a matter of time before they figure out that things have changed hands, and they're not going to keep those same reimbursement rates. I mean, it's in your it's in the contract. It actually is, yes. and so I mean. It, it is. It's a. It's a total pain in the entire industry, and I don't know if or when or how it'll be solved. But well, that makes the work that we all do, I guess, that much more valuable. You know. Yeah. Well, it's uh, one of the things that uh, you know I talk about. I just did a educational session on the top three issues that are facing the industry, um, and then it's kind of continuing. I've never seen. Usually, you know, in in the insurance world, in particular moves with glacier-like quickness. The evolution and changes that have that have ha- that have happened that people don't realize and that are about to happen are monumental. And I am baffled at how folks don't see this and they're not paying attention. You know, I really, I really am. Like you got this is your business, this is your livelihood, this is your industry. You need to kind of keep your eye on what's going on. You need to connect the dots sometimes, or even if it's boring. Like I don't like credentialing either, but I need to know exactly what's going on with it. And I, by the way, I read the contracts, you know, so um, it's, I could probably count on one hand, the number of clients that I've talked to that claimed that they did. I'm like, Oh, they're like, well, that, how can they do that? I'm like, it's in the contract. Well, what about the, it's in the contract. You agreed to it, <laughs> but, they, but they're evil. No, it's not that. You said that that was fine. It's in the contract. Did you read the contract? No. Okay. Um, and so as with anything in life, I think that uh, you just kind of got to pay attention. Not everybody is your friend. They may say that they're dental related. They may say that they want to bring smiles to the universe. They may say all kinds of stuff, but you have to look at the track record of the behavior. And you also have to look at what's going on um, with reimbursements as a whole. So, Uh, The three biggest issues right now, just for the record and for all the listeners um, that I won't expand on, are uh, the labor shortage, right, which is happening to the provider community, too. Hutan Shahidi was on a show recently. We were talking about his problem. Are you seeing it? Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. I've got – you should check my inbox right now. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm getting sent messages, and they're saying, we we know you can't solve this. We know this is a problem everywhere, but just want to get your take on it. I'm like, I mean – What is your take? My take is uh, we went through the storm, and this is a byproduct of the storm, and it'll take a little bit of time to clean up. But, um, uh, you know, I think that that businesses in general, whether they're dental practices or not, the ones that had a great employee culture and that felt like this business has my back and I have their back, they're not having this problem as badly. But for, for those businesses who do not focus on culture, and I would say that's the majority, um, you know, 
are are you just another job? Are you just are you a dime a dozen? Uh, can I leave somewhere to go get paid fifty cents more an hour? Would I do that to you, or would I come to you and ask for that raise? Uh, I think that has to do with your culture and how you treat your people. And uh, it was a major test. It was, it was we look at it like it's like a great lab experiment. What happened at the beginning of COVID? with every employer having to lay off their employees and how they handled that and how much did they communicate to them while, while they were laid off. I mean, all of that has had an impact on uh, employee turnover. That You're right. That is interesting. The whole COVID thing from an intellectual perspective, I don't want to go through it again, don't get me wrong, but from an intellectual perspective, I never thought about that. I never asked. Hey, what I mean, the doing? financial component is only a small component of it, meaning the the comment that people were making more money sitting at home on unemployment. Why would they go back to work? Well, that comes to an end at some point, but that was just a, a small component. It's the culture, you know. It's mm-hmm. the it's not a that's not a financial or or like a tangible thing. That is a that's something that you build over time. Sure. And, Do uh, they believe in the mission? Do you talk to them? Do you say good morning? It can be really small things sometimes, but you know, Do they trust you. I mean, do they, that, is it a family? Is it, you know, the practices that we're having a culture problem or having, having employee problems before COVID or the ones that are having it right now, most of them had these problems before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know? Um, that's, that's really good stuff. That's really good insight. Um, one second. Okay. Got a few more minutes. Um, John Ray, he's, he's good at counting. He's got his abacus out over there. <laughs> uh, so the culture coming back and the purpose, and this is kind of a theme that I, I'm a firm believer in, in the gospel. I'm pretty simple. I like to keep things real simple, but people need a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. They need to. And so your team, and what folks don't realize, like that's an extension of you, that's your family. And that's what some f- times as a business owner, and I'm sure you understand. And, you know, do you have kids? I have three kids. You have three kids, right? So I have two. Um, God bless you. I win. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but taking care of my team is the same. It's like the same thing. I'm responsible. So I have to think about that all the time in all the decisions that are made in moves that are made. And so, you know, when the storm came, you know, what I would tell people, I'm like, look, I've never seen this. You've never seen this. It's happened before, but not to anybody that's alive and not in this type of, you know, global economy. Um, but rolling with the punches, I can roll with the punches. Right. And then, so we just need to recalibrate and hopefully, they had some good advisors like we did and you know, you need to save for a rainy day because guess what boys and girls last year it rained and you know, it's like, we didn't, we didn't have to let it, you know, we kept all our folks. So, um, I didn't, we, I didn't go through that, but I never even thought about, okay, well, if you're letting all these people go essentially and then how are you going to communicate with them? Um, so you're right. That is an experience. So tell me just, briefly like what are the top three things that the more proactive docs did that in your opinion would epitomize culture and purpose for all of their team well so i mean i think the debate of is it um 
patient first or team first was laid to rest Word. because of COVID. Um, there was always, there was always that debate, you know, who, who comes first? Are we, are we focused on patients first or team first? And now, you know, without your team, I mean, the, the patients, they, they came back and there was, you know, pent up demand and all of that, but without the team there to serve them, <laughs> you got nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's team first and patients or clients right after that. And, and that, that's a, now I think that debate should be over. Um, secondly, I'm hit on the, the comment about, uh, she had that rainy day savings. So I think in our personal lives, we've all learned that, uh, it's maybe foundational, you know, financial advice that you should keep three to six months of emergency money, you know, in a rainy day savings. And mm-hmm. now I think the three month might be eliminated. Everybody needs to have six months, but on the business side, why should it be any different? And before we started our firm, I did some consulting with, uh, DSOs and, practice brokers and some lenders on the lender side. I asked them, I said, you know, we want to create these financials, have some metrics. One of the metrics I wanted to have in there was a cash position because I wanted to have them bank ready. I said, what, what do you guys look for in a cash position? And and pre COVID for dentistry, the number they gave me was one and a half months expenses, 1.5, one and a half months expenses. And I said, that's it. Why is it so low? And they said, we wish we saw more dental practices that had that. So most dental practices didn't have 90 days of expenses in cash. Dentistry was very debt heavy and cash poor. And that has got to be a learning experience and a, a, a change that they should have a minimum of three, if not working towards six months of cash in their business for those emergency purposes. But people get it. They, they have this itch. They get, they don't like to have all that cash. They want to put the money to work for them. You know, but there's that's kind that, of like the floor. That, that's like right. yeah, like that's like your zero point. You know, this is this is one of the things it, and that's fascinating to me. That for me, I'm like, uh huh. That's like basic blocking tackling. That is not. There doesn't seem to be common knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's surprising. It's, um, well, to me. look, you're because your brain and my brain are thinking risk management. Mm-hmm. So you've had to have a lot of come to Jesus meetings, basically. Yeah. And I'm I'm like, look, hey, you got your PPP money. It got forgiven. You didn't have to pay taxes on it. Don't screw this up. It doesn't mean you just go and take all that money home. You need to leave it in the business, and it's off the table. You still got to go out and generate new money. That that is there for, like, we got a handout twice. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything left to get a third one. And you're on your uh, that, own. That's why they're coming after your and, 1099 and we contractors. We will thin the herd if it happens again. And those that have cash, they did not panic. They did not have to lay off as quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay, they had it. They had a plan to talk to their employees and say, "I'm okay. I'm going to take care of you." Instead of saying, uh, "I don't know how, what we're going to do. I'm panicking. The ship's sinking, and I got to you know lay all of you off." Well, everybody had to lay everybody off, but how did they do it? Mm-hmm. And were they able to do anything special? I, you know, the practices I'm thinking of right now that had a great culture that kept their best people, they had employees that their refrigerator stopped working at home mm-hmm. and their food was spoiling and they didn't have any income before, before unemployment kicked in mm-hmm. and the practice owner had cash and paid cash and sent them a new fridge to their house. They stayed with the practice. Right. 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 It's that's, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love that. 
You know, so that cash is not just there to cover the costs of the business, but above and beyond that, like how, how people, people stay with you or people, you know, there's a saying of people buy differences. How are you different than the practice down the street? An accountant is an accountant is an accountant is an accountant. A dentist is a dentist is a dentist is a dentist. How are you different? Mm-hmm. And it's culture. It's how you treat people, your, your team. My, my greatest fear in running our business because of my lack of experience in that accounting industry and how the, how the people in that business work, I'm constantly asking my people, are you happy? What was it like when you worked at a different accounting firm? And I mean, you hear these nightmare stories and they're like, you guys are the nicest, nicest bosses and all that. And, and I'm like shocked. I'm happy because that's, that's the thing we're constantly focusing on is how do we invest in these people? Amen, brother. I like that. I think that that is where we're going to end it. Um, dear listeners, I think you should ponder that. What makes you different? So Chris Sands um, continues to raise and educate his profile. Um, and you have like a little studio. Um, how, do, how do people find you if they want to, they want to access some more of Chris Sands and the Profile 2020 team knowledge. How do they do that? So, uh, website Profile 2020 P R O F I two zero two zero dot com. Uh, we have a great YouTube channel now that we are putting out a lot more content. So just look up Profile 2020 on YouTube. You'll find us. Uh, we're on all the, all the major social media. We we post freely. Post tips. Um, people can uh, reach out to us for a free consult. We don't charge anything for. Uh, first time advice to see if we can help you. Um, and, and every now and then we get questions that come through our, you know, info at profile 2020.com. And we're happy to answer those questions uh, in order to hopefully earn your business. But uh, don't be a stranger, you know, give us a call, send us an email, message us on social media. Um, we're, we try to be everywhere. You know, we're, we're trying to be the, the accounting firm that communicates. And uh, that was, that was a big deal, you know, during the during that COVID lockdown, that's really all we did we, for two or three months. We did not take on any new clients. We spoke with all people that weren't our clients, and we said we're here to serve and help help the industry, and that's paid dividends. So mm-hmm. that that doesn't change after post COVID. You know, I think it's yeah. At least for me, I have a newfound appreciation and gratefulness for kind of small things. You know, I never thought I would want to get back and do business travel again. And now I'm like, I am ready. Um, but also just kind of grateful things, grateful for, uh, the people, um, and among other things, uh, I'll save that for another day. Um, I really appreciate you being on the show, Chris. This was awesome. I, I hope do. we can do it again soon. I do. And so listeners, again, I'd like to thank our sponsor practice quotient. Please let them know that you like the show say email them at info at practice quotient.com and say dental business radio is awesome. Um, or if you call them at four, seven, zero, five, nine, two, one, six, eight, zero, when they ask how you heard about it, cause there's not a sales team and we're the, the firm is 100% referral based. So you have to say who, who, how you heard about us. Cause it's usually a current client. Um, you say dental business radio, do myself and John Ray a favor and say, hey, Dental Business Radio, great job. That's how I heard about it. And we do consults, and we're not uh, we're not able to do them at the same price, Chris. But we usually charge, uh, or they usually charge three ninety five. 
uh, for them. Uh, it takes a lot of time labor. We got to look at your data. We got to pay for people. Um, and if you mention Dental Business Radio, it'll be half off. So just mention that and you'll get half off of a consult should that be appropriate for your needs. Uh, but if we know that we can't help you, we tell you that right away too. So uh, practicequotient.com, that's practice and then quotient if you don't know how to spell it. It's Q-U-O-T as in Tom, I-E-N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, practice quotient. I am your host, Patrick O'Rourke. We'll be at the Georgia Dental Association in Amelia Island next week. So if you're there, please come by and say hello. I'm speaking on Thursday and we have the Gahu annual benefits forum in Atlanta. And there are some other speaking engagements that I can't remember right this second. So until next time.